Well, welcome, Willow Park Church. Today is the birthday of the church. Yes, it's Pentecost Sunday. And I'm excited to be able to read some of these scriptures to remind you of what the Lord did on that day. But let's celebrate together the birthday of the church, the moment when God fulfilled his promise through the Holy Spirit and through the prophet Joel to send his power on all flesh, both men and women, young and old, will receive the power of the Spirit. And of course, Peter stood up at that moment and declared the truth that the day has now been fulfilled. Fantastic. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. I love that first thought about the sound of a violent wind. Uh, the breath of God, the wind of God that was present. And so often we forget that God comes in his, in his wind, in his breath. He comes and fills our lives and filled the temple of the Lord, if you remember the story. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them that were there present at that time suddenly received the tongue of fire upon them. This is unique. It links back to last week's thoughts about the seal of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives. About that sense of the immediate and direct work of God that brings his seal, his presence into our lives. That we know that fire and that personal experience with God in our lives. You know, in the Old Testament, it was very special people and places that received the power of the Spirit. The priests, the leaders, the kings, Moses, the prophets, the judges, the temple, the tabernacle, where God's power was present. But of course, we know in the New Testament and the New Covenant that that fire, if you like, has goes to every believer, rests within us. He comes to us and he comes within us. We understand it and we also experience the power of the Spirit within our lives. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And wow, after that experience, people thought they were drunk. People thought they were crazy. Peter got up and preached and 3,000 hearts were turned to Christ. And I often say in the early church, they prayed for 10 days, preached for 10 minutes and 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. We today seem to preach for 10 days, pray for 10 minutes, and we're fortunate if a handful of people give their lives to Christ. Why? We've got it the wrong way round, haven't we? We need to seek to be filled with God's presence and power. Well, we've been on this series of Chord, Powered Up, talking about the ministry and the 
presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Today, Russ Wilson is going to be sharing with us an encouraging word. We're going to hear from Chris Weens, who's going to talk about ministry in India and what has been taking place. But before we do that, as we begin this service, let me pray. And then Al's going to come and he's going to share one of his poems, a poem about Pentecost. Do you remember when he shared at Easter that powerful, beautiful poem about the power of Easter? Well, I asked him to write another poem and he's written this one about Pentecost and the spirit at work within our lives. Father, thank you that we get the opportunity on the church's birthday to celebrate your goodness and to remember that this is the day that the church entered the world. And we pray that we may continue that great tradition of being gospel-centered, spirit-led, and that we'll always be on mission. Help us, Lord, I pray. Amen. Al is going to come and share a poem with us. Good morning. I find that poetry helps me to reflect on what I read and what I hear. This poem uh, came after I read first 13 verses of Acts chapter 2 and after listening to Pastor Phil's messages over the past few weeks. Pentecost. Questions, confusion, the master has departed with only a promise remaining. They waited. As if on cue, the still morning air circles and grows to a gale force presence. Bracing, shaking, bewildered, they are drawn into a holy arrival, marking the gathered for a heavenly cause. Tongues of fire, Sudden surge, spirit filling, spilling into words they did not know. Outsiders jeering, gazing, pointing at this early morning drunken scene. But here, the real source, a sap that feeds the vine. He grows wonder, awe, and ripened fruit, inner change flowing out. Housed in this glory, church is birthed and reaches farthest edges. With promise accomplished, souls revived, the Holy Spirit's move advances, forming the gathered for heavenly cause. Um, good morning, church. I am so excited to uh, worship with you this morning, and I, um, I pray that God's uh, presence and blessing is over you and your household as you watch this, and um, yeah, that we can worship together and glorify him.
Away. 
that you gave us Jesus, who is everything that we should strive to be, Father, and um, that he, he showed us how to build our lives on your love, and that through that comes such beautiful gifts and fruits and, and relationship with you, Father. God, specifically this morning, I pray for anyone who feels distant from God, um, that these words would remind them that even though those feelings aren't there, Father, that you are there, that you're with them and you're close and that you love them, you delight over them, Father. I pray that that sinks so deeply today, even without those emotions and without those feelings. I pray for blessing over the speaker today and for the sermon. I pray that it is your words and um, not theirs and um, that you would have your way. Amen. Thank you, Zoe, for taking the time and leading us in worship. And for many of us, uh, it can be difficult to connect with online worship, but I often find that if I pause and I allow the music to minister to me and create that holy space. As you, and many of you have testified, the Lord comes really close to you and is ministering to you. Uh, so many different ways to engage in, in church worship and church life. And I'm so happy that we get the opportunity to do drive-in and we get the opportunity to gather with church on lawn. And we also get the opportunity to be safe and to be present online as well. So I'm blessed by that. The emblems. We're going to take a moment. I love communion. I love remembering and thinking about all that Christ has done. And you know that the words say that on the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, as we take the bread at this moment. We remember all that you did for us. We know the story, we've read the scriptures multiple times. I remember even as a teenager reading my way through Mark's gospel and getting to the scene of the cross and reading about the treatment of Jesus by the soldiers. And in this little caravan, I was camping, my grandparents had gone for a walk. I remember falling on my knees and just worshipping the Lord because his body was broken and he was willing to go through so much pain to bring so much life into the world. Father, thank you for the bread. And we eat it and remember that you gave your body for us, the body of Christ broken for you. Take a moment and thank God for the cleansing power of the blood of Christ that makes us whole and clean. It's particularly poignant on 
Pentecost Sunday. That we know that we've received his body, the blood, and the fire that comes through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that we are cleansed by the work of the blood. And it's because of the blood of Christ that I can confess my sins and come into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of the Lord. And Lord, I just uh, am so thankful for the unique and profound, glorious relationship that I have with you, Lord Jesus, because of because of your sacrifice and your blood. I'm just really continually thankful for my faith and my relationship with you, Jesus. The blood of Christ that takes away the sins of the world, drink it. Amen. Well, in a few moments, uh, we'll be hearing all about the news at Willow Park Church and what is happening. And then here at Highway 33, uh, Russ will be sharing, our good friend, Rush Wilson. And then at South, Pastor Glenn will be sharing a Pentecost message about being filled uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit and what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Weens, you may know him because um, he's been on staff at our church as associate pastor at Lake Country and also works uh, for his time as, uh, I think, the CEO of a mission agency based down in Abbotsford, um, MMF. And he's going to come and share more about that. The reason I've asked him to share is because he himself has a very amazing connection with India and with churches there and with people. And we've been having our North Indian appeal, which has been fantastic. The last I heard, we had raised as a community uh, $18,000. Hallelujah. What a difference that will make. But you know, it's not over yet. And we want to uh, keep connecting, keep being generous I want to stand before the Lord and know that in this crisis, every hundred years, a pandemic. And I think I, I read just the other night about the pandemic in India a hundred years ago and how it literally killed millions and millions of uh, people a hundred years ago. And we're seeing these images and get an idea of what is taking place. So Chris, coming up and join me. It's great to see you, brother. It's been a, um, it's been a while. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great. Hey, um, your connection with India. Um, you got some slides. Tell us a little bit about your the charity you lead, uh, which is MMF. What does that stand for? It's a multination missions foundation. Which is a uh, a Mennonite mission foundation, Mennonite well, brethren. We're, we're interdenominational, okay. but we work quite closely with the MB conference. Ah, that's we fantastic. Multiply and lots of MB churches are connected to us and support us. So, oh, that's yeah. good. And your job is? 
Uh, I'm the CEO. Yeah, yes. The okay. Director. So I was right. Yep. You were right. Whew. You got it. Got it right. Yeah. Show us some of the slides and what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say I, I have such a heart for India. We work globally around the world, yeah. but um, in India specifically is where we really concentrate on church planting, on training leaders. And I've got lots of really good friends. I've been there nine times in the last six years. Wow. And so I got a deep heart for India. Mm. And uh, the last few weeks have been just incredibly difficult. You know, as I, as I talk with my friends in India, every morning they tell me stories of what they're seeing in their communities, what's going on in their families, and it's, it's really heartbreaking. So uh, our key leader that we work through, uh, we started with three church planters. Today we're at 78 church planters with him. Wow. He lost his wife to COVID four days ago. Oh. So uh, he barely got over it two weeks ago, and his wife was struggling and struggling. She managed to get into the hospital, but it was too late. So I'm we're sorry. dealing with that. Yes. Yeah. A lot, just just so four days sadness, ago. Four days ago. Yeah. So yeah. And every morning I'm, I'm getting messages of, can you help? Can you help? Here's what's going on. So we've pivoted. We don't normally do relief work. We no. normally focus on church planning and evangelism and education. Fantastic. But the last few weeks we've just said, we got to focus our attention on helping those who need it the most right now. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So we've done some relief work here. Um, yeah, I just got this picture a couple days ago. So right now, the greatest need is just providing food and some medical assistance. And so, um, yeah, we're getting money into the country every every couple days. And so this is, we work primarily in northern India. And so we're kind of in, in nine different states. So these mm -hmm. are pictures from different states. This is up in Himachal Pradesh, which is actually quite close to a child of mine. Okay, yeah, yeah we know it well. So great ministry. And again, yes. Uh, what we're doing is we are empowering our church planters there to be a light in their community. And so the people are coming to the church and they know that these are people that care for them and provide for them and help them. Uh, this is one of our key guys in Punjab. Uh, we have a lot of work going on in Punjab. And so uh, I asked him last week, what can we do? And he says, we just want to help the poorest families. So not only is COVID ravaging India right now, but yeah. it's the lockdowns as well, yeah. right? When, when they're locking down to try to stop it. But people are really poor and mm -hmm. they're struggling to feed themselves. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what we're doing is not only medical help, but also just getting food uh, to people that, you know, aren't able to work. And so with, uh, yeah, I'll tell you a story with, with, with in the previous picture there, he said, send me $2,000 and I'm going to send it to the uh, 48 poorest families in our churches. So he has wow. 12 churches. 12 churches. And he says, of those churches, we're going to pick the three poorest in each church. Right. And we're just going to care for them and bless them and, you know, keep them eating. That's that guy before. Yeah, the previous one. Yeah. I went too yeah. fast. This guy yeah. here. That yeah. guy there. So this is enough supplies to help 48 of the poorest uh, people within his church. Gosh. Yeah. So we got rice and we got beans and lentils and oil yes. and kind of the basics, the essentials. Mm -hmm. But so many people in India, and I've seen it firsthand, are they're, they're day laborers. So they go out and work in the fields yeah. and they get paid that day, go back, buy enough food to feed their family yeah. at night. So when you take that job away from them, you take away their ability to eat, right? Yeah. So uh, lots, of, lots of pain. So this is a ministry in Bihar. Mm -hmm. That's a poor state in India. And uh, I, I've been into this village. It's an incredible village. These people uh, are, uh, just, just have so very little. And the community that we've planted there is an education facility mm -hmm. for children. And is, they've also planted a church there. And they have such a great reputation. Uh, this village is actually made up of thieves. And yet they have such a great uh, uh, draw to the church right. because the church is helping so yes. much. They're educating thieves. their kids. Yeah, they're yeah. thieves. So. Ah. That's, their, that's their vocation in life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I knew a few like that in yeah, England. I, I think, yeah, so just a couple pictures yeah. there that got through. But I get yeah. pictures like this, you know, 
every day, three right. or four a day, and you know, we're sending as many funds as we can to help. So. Describe to us, you give us a little picture of the impact that the pandemic is having on the Christian church at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, so many Christians are being affected just as much as everybody else there. Yeah, and of course. So, uh, you know, our guys are saying, yeah. you know, my family member's sick, uh, my uncle or my aunt has died, people within my church are sick, they can't get to the hospital. So it is really, every single person that I am talking to on the ground has a personal story of how this mm -hmm. is impacting them. Mm -hmm. So the stuff that we see on the news, like I watch the BBC reports and mm -hmm. I send them to our guys in Delhi mm -hmm. and I say, is this really happening? Like mm. these crematoriums and mm. this massive scale. And they tell me, they say, what you're watching on the news doesn't even begin to touch what we're seeing. Wow. So it is that bad. So the news isn't really capturing the yeah. scale of the... They can't. And no. a lot of the guys that we work with are actually in villages. And so yeah. the news can't get in there, no. you know. And uh, I mean, we've probably seen uh, reports of all the bodies coming down the Ganges yes. River, right? Yeah. Those are all village. And those yeah. are people that can't afford burial and... Uh, yeah, I, the, the the numbers are way higher than what they're saying because they just they can't they can't count no, it, no. The, the the scale of it. Yeah, Chris, would you lead us in prayer yeah. and pray for that family and yeah. um, those churches and that we will, you know, respond in the right way at this mm -hmm. time. Yeah, I will for sure. Yeah, Father God, we thank you so much that you are a God that cares for the poor and for the suffering. And we thank you that you call us as your people to stand with them and to help them. And so, Lord, we pray. We pray for your kingdom to come into those communities. We pray for the church to be a light in those communities, God. And we pray for an end of this pandemic. We pray for an end of the suffering, especially of what's happening in India and in Nepal and Bangladesh and countries around there. And the poor are suffering so bad right now, Lord. And we know you care and we pray for an end to this pandemic. God, we pray that we, the church in North America, can just rise up and stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ and, uh, and support them and care for them and help them as best that we can, God. We pray for those who have lost loved ones. We pray that you grant them peace. We pray that you would give them just a strong, incredible sense of your presence in the midst of the grief that they are facing right now, Lord. Oh, Lord, God, we pray, have mercy on your people. Mm. Have mercy on our friends in India, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks for That's having great. me. Yeah, it's great. Well, if you want to support Chris and uh, MMF, uh, you can see the... Um, the website and the connect where you can give. There also for this period of time, a, uh, a project at Willow Park Church. So you're able to uh, give as well through Willow Park Church and just highlight that it's for MMF. And you can get involved in supporting those well, over 70 church planters and churches. Uh, and we can make a difference. And I know with Chris, he's in daily contact with these families. So every dollar you give makes a direct impact on the ground. It's fantastic. We're so blessed to have Chris and to be involved with Multiply and a child of mine and to really uh, support. And I want to thank you for your generosity and all that you've done. And this Pentecost Sunday, let's, let's go that extra bit and just um, see what the Lord is asking us to do. Amen. Well, we're going to move on now. And uh, here is Courtney with the Willow One News. Thank you. 
Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here's your family news. We have two important meetings coming up this Wednesday and Thursday. Our finance meeting is happening on May 26th at 7 p.m. and our all-church meeting on May 27th at 7 p.m. Both of these meetings will be happening online using Zoom. Please register to attend at willowparkchurch.com meeting. This summer, you're invited to our Willow Park Church campout at Pines Bible Camp. Camping is available July 5th to 16th, and we will have special activities for all ages planned for the weekend of July 9th to 12th. We still have some camping spots available, but register today as space is limited. Registration is now open for our in-person kids camp happening July 26th to 29th. This half-day camp will be lots of fun for kids age 4 to completed grade 4. But that's not all. We are also running a preteen adventure camp for kids who have completed grade 4 or 5. This camp is happening in the afternoons on July 26th to 29th and will include activities at the church as well as off-site adventures every day. Register today. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. It is a joy to be sharing the Word of God with you this morning on this Sunday, which is the birthday of the church, Pentecost, and it's very, very fitting that we are studying uh, the work and the theology of the Holy Spirit because it is absolutely what Pentecost Sunday is all about. The disciples, the first early church being birthed out, being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so all the movement of the church is based on what happened on that day in the upper room with a group of ordinary people filled with an extraordinary God by the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to jump into that in just a second. Before I get there, just to remind you, I know you've already heard probably in the announcements before me, that this coming uh, Wednesday and Thursday are two meetings uh, that are connected with the life of the church. It's really important that you uh, get to those meetings. Uh, The Wednesday one is about the finances of the church, and then the Thursday one is a kind of a state of the union. We're going to look at finances. We're going to look at uh, what the Lord is doing and what he has done. So can I encourage you, please, to come along to those meetings. Uh, and, and I know it's two nights, and I know it's another Zoom, um, but honestly, especially if you're listening from the mission, I really encourage you to do that because there's lots going on that we need your voice and your input from. So uh, check out the church website for all the information connected with that. Let me start with reading a really powerful verse from you as we jump into this week's message. This is from Ephesians 5. Uh, Verse 15 to 18, it says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Notice that, understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, be filled with 
the Holy Spirit. And so this is what they experienced in Acts 2. And this is what the Lord's will is for us in 2021, uh, is for us to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is quite an emotive, somewhat controversial subject. And so we're going to jump into a little bit of that. But first, let's talk about puppies. Have you ever seen so many families getting puppies. I know that uh, I could probably list six or seven people just in our reasonably close circle who have had a puppy in the last year. We, we had a puppy, Maggie, best puppy in the world, obviously, uh, a couple of years ago. And there's this idea, there was a, and there was a, a, an advert or a commercial that used to run in Britain that a puppy is for life, not just for Christmas. Because there's this idea that the puppy will just be so beautiful and wonderful and fun. It'll teach the kids responsibility. It'll be, it'll be great for the family. It'll give us a focus in the middle of COVID. And, and, there's, and, and some of that is true. Um, the reality of actually what it's like having a puppy in your house, I've spoken to a few people now who've had children, and now they have a puppy, and they have both said, Oh, children are easier. Um, puppies just, they are hard work. They are, it is not what it says on the tin. It is not, it is not as wonderful, uh, as, as people make out. But we have this, we have this bias towards it because we think that the actual reality is going to be different from what it really is, you know, and we have this, we have this bias, uh, because it, it is so, so different from what we think is truth. You, you could say this is confirmation bias. We, 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 look at, we look at pictures of puppies. We look at people running along the lakeshore with puppies. And we see things in all those that confirm what we think is true. Whereas actually the reality is very, very different from what we true. Confirmation bias is a really powerful uh, kind of sociology focus, which is, and this is, this is the, this is the uh, translation or the, the reference for what confirmation bias is. It's the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms or supports one's prior beliefs or values. So if you believe that having a puppy is just going to be the best thing for your family, then everything that you see and what you hear and what you read is going to confirm that bias, confirm that value. But it has, a, it has actually a, a bad side as well confirmation bias because what what happens is is in wider life is that we search out information and we believe that which what we already believe that select information that supports our views and we ignore contrary information uh, in other words to put it in layman's terms we only consider what we want to be true uh, and then we only listen to the sources that tell us what we want to be true is in fact true. It's called confirmation bias. So an example of this as Christians that we can relate to is that people who have grown up not believing in God, we would say they have a confirmation bias in that we, they will look at things that happen in the church or looking at life and they will add it to their, their, kind of, their bank account of why they shouldn't believe in God. And so it just confirms it to them that they shouldn't believe in God. But as, you know, as Christians, we would say, look at the evidence. Look at what it really is about. Look at what Christianity is actually about, rather than as just consuming that Christianity is about a certain way. Actually look at the evidence. 
But Christian friends, we, we actually are guilty of the same thing. That we often approach the Bible in such a way where we look for it to confirm what we want it to actually say. Rather than looking at it and seeing what it actually says. We interpret the Bible through our experiences. Non-Christians do that. They interpret the Bible through their experiences. Christians, we have a tendency to have confirmation bias towards the Bible, and we we look at it through our own experience, our own beliefs, through our own personality, rather than letting the Bible actually uh, interpret our experiences. We we do it the other way round. So we, we interpret the Bible through our own preferences, through our own experiences. And this subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit is perhaps one of the most controversial subjects because a group of Christians, and we're all loving Jesus and we love the Bible, they have a high view of the Bible. Remember what I said a few weeks ago, we have a high view of most of the Bible a lot of the time. We'll come to the Bible and we'll say, well, my experience of being filled with the Spirit or being baptized with the Spirit is this, and I'm going to interpret the Scripture through my experience. And so the breakdown of that, it can mean, it can go one of two ways. It either means that we get so focused on experiences, so the more charismatic side of the Christian church would be so focused on the experiences that they interpret Scripture through the experiences. Um, the other side is that maybe you have a bent to, against being filled with the Spirit and being baptized with the Spirit because of your experiences. And we're in danger of reducing the Bible and expecting too little from it. So all that to say this is as we step into this subject that is so, so important. Let's go where the evidence leads us. I say that all the time. Let's go where the evidence leads us as Christians. Let's look at what the Bible actually says about being filled with the Spirit. Rather than interpreting it through our own experiences, our own preferences, let's actually see what the Bible says about being filled with the Spirit. So when I use the term being filled with the Spirit, people will use all sorts of different uh, terms. And and I'm not really going to go there. We get caught up with terminology, and terminology is important. But at the end of the day, what you're going to see from my message this morning is is it's a command in Scripture for us to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And the way that works out can happen in multiple different ways. And we need to be careful that we don't base whole denominations on experiences. Um, But we do need to be careful that we follow the command of Scripture. Here's what we do know. Is Pentecost uh, launched a world-changing movement that transformed culture. You had spirit-filled Christians seeing transformation happen in their families, in their cities, in their countries. And it still happens today. And we want to be the right side of this. We want to be... We want to have everything that God has for us so that we can see the gospel not only being shared, but the gospel transforming lives it is so, so important. So I guess the big question of the morning is this. Okay, you ready? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? My hope and prayer by the end of the message today is that you'll be able to answer that. And not only will you be able to answer it, but you'll actually have some uh, direction, some principles 
on what you can base your life on and some practical things that you can do in order to make sure that we are one of those spirit-filled Christians because our city desperately needs transformation. And Christians who are biased against the Holy Spirit are not going to be part of seeing transformation happen in the city. Does it change your conversion? Does it change you being a Christian? We're going to look at that this morning. But are you a Spirit-filled Christian? Do you feel empowered? Do you feel invigorated? Do you feel encouraged? Do you have a boldness to share your faith? Do you have all these kind of markers, if you will, of being spirit-filled? Is that a part of your life? So what does the Bible actually say? Well, the first thing that I want us to look at here in Ephesians chapter 5 is, is to ask the question, who is it that Paul is talking to in this Ephesus church? Who is it? It's Christians. Notice he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Christian friends, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, last week, what I studied and what I shared was that the Holy Spirit, you cannot be a Christian without the work of the Holy Spirit happening in your life. It's called regeneration, and I'm not going to go through it all again today, but I encourage you to listen to that, me- that message. The, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in your life, regenerating, creating a genesis moment in your life that brings massive transformation that not only do we need, but our world needs. That is 100% the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be a Christian without having the Holy Spirit. But let me say this, and this is biblical, and as you search the scriptures, you're going to see this ring true, that all believers have the Holy Spirit, but not all believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you may have him, but does he have you? You may have him, but does he have you? Is your life filled with that which you have? You know, a really good way for me to illustrate this is by way of a a physical demonstration. And so what I've got here is a blender and uh, and some some fruit. So I feel like I'm back to being a middle school teacher. I'm going to show you a demonstration. So here's, here's, here's what this demonstration is showing. Remember, this is the... The question, you may have him, but does he have you? So imagine that this water is you, your life, everything that makes you, you. It's, it's clean and it's, it's lovely because now as a Christian, you've been regenerated. You have transformation. You might feel that the water of your life is not actually as pure as this, um, but that's a whole other message. That's last week's message that you need to listen to. So when you become a Christian, what happens is that you are given the Holy Spirit. You look at Romans 5.5, 5, it'll say that he has poured his life and his love in you. And so these bits of, that just splashed back, these bits of fruit that I'm probably going to regret, this is now soggy banana, this was frozen fruit, all goes in to your life. Let me just get a tissue. So this is the Holy Spirit now resident in your life. But this isn't the design of a Christian. See, we're meant to go into the world and we're meant to represent Jesus Christ. And the way that we do that is being by filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if we just left it there, that is not a really appetizing drink. 
Because, well, you might go, well, water with fruit in it, that's pretty popular. That's quite millennial. We'll do that. But yeah, but I, I want a smoothie. I want, I want a spirit-filled Christian. That is not spirit. That is not a fruit-filled piece of wood until you, okay, this might get a little loud, until you blend it. Okay, Drew, you can relax on sound now. So now what we have is we have a blended drink. We have a drink that is consumed by the fruit. So the fruit now has become one with the drink, if you like. And you see, this is a great illustration because if you pour this out, it is now something very different than it was before. And as Christians, we are being called to be poured out into the world, that our presence in the world is to represent Jesus Christ in every possible way. So we might have the Holy Spirit in our life, but is it consuming our life? Because that is what that word filled literally means. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be consumed by the Holy Spirit. To be consumed by the Holy Spirit. Let me put it this way. It's a little bit similar. When you get really angry, furious even, you are consumed with anger. We can see this same principle in the scriptures in Luke chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled, consumed with wrath. There is nothing else going on in that moment other than the wrath. Nothing else going on in that moment other than the anger. And you, I'm sure, have experienced that. I've experienced that. It literally is the same word that you are filled, consumed. So as Christians, you have been given the Holy Spirit, as I've just shown with my probably poor illustration. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been given the fruit of the Spirit. You've been given the power of the Spirit. It is resident in your life. But is it filling your life? Is it consuming your life? Is it everything in the same way that when you are really angry, it is everything to you in that moment? Is being filled with the Holy Spirit everything to you? Because look, this is what the scripture says. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled, literally consumed, overcome, overshadowed, controlled with the Spirit. So let's just take a moment and just reflect and be really honest with ourselves, just just for a second. Is that our experience? Is it our experience that on a day-to-day level, on a micro level, when we are by ourselves, when we are with family members, when we're with friends and co-workers and and other relationships, when we're just going about our day-to-day, when no one else is watching, what is it that we're actually consumed by? What is it that fills our life? Because this is a very sobering question. Because as a Christian, we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. But does it fill our life? Do those things consume us? Do those, are we saturated by them? Do they overshadow us? So when we make decisions, are they pushed through the filter of the Holy Spirit? Are they pushed through the filter of the divine? Or are we just going on with our life and Christianity is just an add-on, just like that fruit was an add-on to the rest of our world. Friends, I don't know if there's any more important question to ask this morning. It overshadows every other question you can ask. The question of what am I going to do in my retirement? Is my bank account big enough? Are my kids well enough? Are my kids safe enough? Are they educated enough? Whatever it is, whatever those 
some would say important elements of your life are. This trumps all those other questions. Are you filled, consumed, and saturated by the Holy Spirit? The flip side of that question is this. If it's not the Holy Spirit, what is it that does consume you? What is it that does saturate you? What does overshadow you? What does control you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. But what is it that drives you? Because what you're going to see in the scripture is that really being a spirit-filled Christian is being Christian. It is not a separate thing. To be Christian is to be spirit-filled. To be a Jesus follower is to be filled with him. To be somebody who confesses to be a Christian and believe in God is to be somebody who is consumed by the power and the boldness and the goodness of God. It's to be somebody who actually lives out that way, not just in front of others, but all the time. And this is a really powerful moment, because I can't speak this without it actually prodding at some parts of our lives where we have to put them under the shadow, if you like, of the divine and say, well, where does that stand up? Where, where does that actually meet the requirements that the Lord has upon me? To be filled is to be consumed, and to be filled is transformational. And to be be transformed means that we go into the world, and we can actually be poured out in the true design that God has created us to be. See, a smoothie is designed to be consumed with fruit, or whatever it is you might be putting in that smoothie. A smoothie is not designed just to be water and a bit of fruit at the bottom. Now, you could say, yeah, but, you know, I'm acting Christian. Yeah, but you've just got fruit in the bottom of your life. To be consumed and filled means that when you look at your finances, your first thought is, what can I give away? When you look at your finances, it's not my first thought is, what can I get? It's, what can I give? To be filled means that when you look at your friendships, that you actually are seeking out biblical community. To be filled means that you want to grow. To be filled means that you are seeking out opportunity to know more about Jesus. To be filled means to prioritize him in your everyday life. To get up that little bit earlier so you can spend some time in the scripture so that you might know him and the power of his resurrection. That means to be filled with him. To be filled means not to react angrily and vehemently when things don't go your way. You see, all these things... The things in our lives that we know should be different. If we don't have the power of God in our lives to actually see this real change happen, all it results in is guilt and shame because our self-will is not powerful enough. Our own ability is not powerful enough to see these changes happen. So here's just briefly a few things that I want you to notice about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've already touched on this first one. is Being filled is not an optional extra. Be filled. Paul said. It's a command. Not be filled if you fancy it. Not be filled if you're an extrovert. Not be filled if you, you know, if if you fill this criteria. Christians, be filled. Nowhere in Scripture are we commanded to get the Holy Spirit, but we are commanded, we are encouraged, we are um, we are exhorted by the Scriptures to be filled and to pursue the life of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to think through the Spirit, to seek after the Spirit. Again and again, we are commanded to those things. So it's not an optional extra for the the arm of the church that seems to be overly excitable and like emotion. That's not biblical. 
To be filled with the Spirit means that your personality and your character that have been molded together by God in your mother's womb, we're told, filled with the Spirit. You see, the world needs you filled with the Spirit. That's what the world needs. And also we know that being filled is continuous. It is not just a one-time event. To be continually filled. So this word be filled is a, is a continuing word. It's literally be being filled. Continually be filled again and again and again because we serve a God of more and more and more. That which you have today is nothing in comparison to what you could have tomorrow. It's more and more. And so if you feel stagnant in your Christian life, if you feel stuck, if you feel like you're not going any further, that maybe you could argue that things used to be better for you in your relationship with Jesus, then my, my loving pastoral question would be, are you seeking to be filled with him? Because the more you are filled, the more of him you get. Look at this in Acts 2. I've already uh, referenced this scripture. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Who's the all? This is the ordinary people who were waiting on Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the upper room. By the command of Jesus, by the way, wait and you will be filled. And they were filled. And then later on, you can read again in Acts 4.31, just to show you this is a continual thing. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all Filled with the Holy Spirit. So being filled with the Holy Spirit was not a one-time occurrence. So you might have come through the more Pentecostal, charismatic uh, kind of experience. And you might have been taught about being baptized in the Spirit, this secondary experience. I'm okay with that. I have no problem at all with being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Whether you want to call it being baptized or filled or whatever. What I know is, is that that experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit should be a day-to-day occurrence. Not a one-time event. That you have the Holy Spirit as a regeneration, you are filled with the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis. And Paul's experience was the same. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, this is Paul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with, your, with the Holy Spirit. Paul was already a Christian at that point. He became a Christian somewhere between being knocked off his horse and hitting the ground. And I quote some great reformers in that. He was already regenerated, changed. And yet Ananias comes, lays hands on him, and he's to be, why does he do it? To be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later on, we see again in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, Saul, who was now called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a present tense. That's not harking back to what happened to him. In that moment, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked intently at him. This was my experience. As an 18-year-old, I was certainly not in a place spiritually that I would want to be. And it's a, you know, I could go into a lot of emphasis on what that life was like and it's not something I was proud of, but I desperately needed God. I wasn't really aware that I needed God uh, so much. I had this constant pull in my life that it wasn't the way it should be. But I, 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 I was needing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was needing this transformation. I could argue that I'd become a Christian as a, a young teenager. But really, it had no impact in my life. It was just fruit hanging around at the bottom of the water. It had no impact into the rest of my life at all. But at 18, I had this remarkable experience. I was prayed for 
by what I thought then, although she probably wasn't that old. I remember 18, uh, this old lady pray, praying for me when I was away, staying with some, old, my, some of my old youth pastors. I just had a remarkable filling with the Holy Spirit. Like literally, I felt burning in my life. I felt him come into me in an amazing way. It was like all that that was resident suddenly got activated in my life. And I can tell you that life has never been the same from that moment. Pentecostals would call that baptism in the Holy Spirit. I would, I would say, I don't care what you call it. I just know at that moment I had a remarkable experience with the Holy Spirit, I spoke in tongues. I started wanting to tell people about Jesus. And, and I'm not, again, Pentecostals would say that the sign, or sometimes Pentecostals would say the sign of being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit is to speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, that you are not baptized, you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not landing on that at all. I think there's lots and lots of wonderful spirit-filled Christians who have that experience later on or not at all. You know what? I just think that we... We sometimes emphasize some of the minors, and, and I know that might upset some people, but in the grand scheme of things, Paul himself said that love is more paramount than being filled with uh, being, uh, speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues is wonderful, and I know it's an intrigue, and, uh, and I have spoken about it at length in this church in times past. But at that moment, my life was changed. I came back to where I was living. And Sarah, who this was before Sarah and I were even going out, I was just a teenager, she, she was telling some friends of ours the other day, the change in my life was remarkable. It was like she could not believe the difference. Whereas before I was reserved, didn't care, with, you know, and just whatever, and really living a double life. Suddenly, I just wanted to tell people about Jesus. I wanted to lead. I wanted to speak. I wanted to preach. I had a boldness. I had the, all that. Where did that come from? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I have many, many examples of fillings since where I've been reinvigorated, refilled, re-impassioned, just wonderful moments with Jesus. And the things that I strain towards on a daily basis, many, many fillings. Some of them remarkable, some of them pretty ordinary. And if you look through history, that is certainly the case with many, many people who've gone before us. The command and the example in Scripture is clear. Being filled is something that should happen continually, and it is not an optional extra. So the question then is, what is being filled with the Spirit really like? Well, in Acts 1, you'll remember the story that people thought they were drunk. And then in Ephesians 5, we've just read, don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So why is there a connection between alcohol and being drunk and being filled with the Spirit? Well, first of all, I want you to know, and everybody can see this as certainly by observation or by experience, that when someone is drunk, they don't act like themselves anymore. They lose control over their tongue, over their body, their decisions, you know, over their emotions. The alcohol consumes them, and it takes over their life. So we have to be very careful here. Because there have been times in revival moments when people have been filled with the Spirit, and it has resulted in some quite remarkable uh, circumstances and occurrences. And you can see through history, even the more reformed revivals, Jonathan Edwards, for example, people were overcome with emotion, and it was a real powerful moment being filled with the Spirit. But they are not normative. 
In fact, the Bible actually says, it, does, it says that we mustn't lose control in the spirit. And so these revival accounts show that strange things happen, but they're the exception rather than the norm. And they're not something we should be seeking after. The Holy Spirit is all about making much of Jesus, not about making much of the experience or about making much of you and I. And I've used this illustration before about the Washington Monument. You look at the Washington Monument, this incredible monument. In this analogy, think of that as being like Jesus. And then around the edges, you've got the lights that are making much of the monument. The lights are impressive. They're cool. You might want to go and look at them more closely and appreciate them and enjoy them even. But really, they're there to make much of the monument. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to be filled, to fill us, to make much of Jesus, not to make much of the experience, not to make much of the feelings, not to make much of anything other than Jesus himself, because it's Jesus that will change the world. It's Jesus that brings transformation, not our experiences or our emotion experiences, or sometimes the quite strange occurrences that happen when being filled with the Spirit. So they're not normative. But one thing that is similar to being drunk, and I'm saying this really careful, is that being filled with the Spirit means giving control to God in the same way that somebody who's getting drunk is giving control to alcohol and having a Spirit-filled, consumed life. So in the same way that alcohol can have an effect on your speech. Being filled with the Holy Spirit affects your speech. Being filled with the Holy Spirit affects your actions. Being filled with the Holy Spirit affects your emotions and your mind. And you are influenced and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is a, an all-consuming, life-changing event. You see, life's basic needs are actually met by the Holy Spirit filling your life. You might be this morning struggling with belief and faith, maybe some security. Maybe you're needing comfort in challenging times. Maybe today is a time when you just feel like anxiety and depression is overcoming you. Maybe there's some big decisions you need to make. Maybe that you're just battling through a, a constant sin and temptation that comes into your life. The list goes on and on. Can I tell you? Being filled with the Holy Spirit is the answer that you are looking for. That you have the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? But we need to make sure that we understand what it is that stops us being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because what stops us being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually as powerful, if not more powerful, than what actually leads us to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the scripture is really clear. And this is where it kind of gets close to the knuckle. This is where some serious self-reflection needs to happen. So the first way is that we can actually actively resist the Holy Spirit. We can resist the Holy Spirit. Look at this scripture. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers do, so do you. So on one hand, we can complain about not feeling close to God, complain about the temptations, we can complain about the circumstances, we can, might even reflect and say, well, God has withdrawn. And, and actually what it comes from is as actively always resisting the Holy Spirit. So not everyone is actually submissive to him. 
Not everybody listens to him. And so the Spirit of God might direct you to do something and you just ignore that. Maybe it's a give this or stop that or serve this or start that and don't do this. Or He's constantly guiding, constantly wooing and, and we can resist that. And notice it says always. What a terrible word. That it is a marker of some people's life that they will resist the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And that leads to grieving Him. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. So this is Paul saying, look, you have the Holy Spirit, but you are grieving Him. You see, uh, this word grieve is only a word that you can use when somebody who loves someone else or something else is losing that person or has lost that person. The Holy Spirit loves us. He's God. And he's in our lives, but we resist and we grieve him. And it's an actual emotion that he feels. See, he whispers, why are you going there? What what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why are you looking at that? Why are you going back there? Why are you saying that? Why, Why are you thinking that way? Why do you continually resist? Why not? do this? Why not go there? Why not call that person? Why not introduce yourself to this group of people? Why not attend here more? Why not be more generous? And there's this, there's this tension inside of us that the, the fruit is resident in us but doesn't consume us. And so there's this terrible place where we know better and yet we live in the knowledge of grieving him and that leads to quenching him. Rejoice always, Paul said. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. When you build a big fire and then you want to put it out, it can take quite a while. Often the quenching of a fire can happen gradually. You don't put fuel on it. You maybe take fuel away from it. You might uh, spread, your, spread it around and it just gets a bit thin. Maybe you pour some water on it. Over time, the embers start losing their heat and it can happen gradually over and over time unless you continually put that fuel on it. And this quenching is the same idea that it happens over time. When the prodigal son left his father, he didn't go straight from the father to the pig pan. He gradually, step by step, he was quenching and grieving and resisting all the way through to the very end. And I don't know where you are on that scale. But what I do know is that bit by bit we can drift. And that drifting quenches. And after a while, the voice gets quieter. So at first, it's a, it's a vehement, no, you must not do that. But the more that you resist, the more that you quench, in the middle of that sin moment, the more you push through with the sin, the quieter the voice gets. It's because you are distancing yourself from the voice, not the voice distancing himself from you necessarily. There is a withdrawal. But the Father is set, and we resist Him and quench Him and grieve Him, and we move away from Him, and it can take time, and the voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And while the voice of God quietens down in our lives, the voice of guilt and shame increases and drowns it out even more. And see, this grieves God the Father. It grieves Jesus. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And so... 
As we come to the end of this message, what I want you to see is that the Holy Spirit is for each of us. To be filled by Him is for each of us. To continually be filled by Him. And it is the answer not just for our city and our world, and He is. Spirit-filled Christians bringing transformation into the culture, 100% is God's plan. But it starts with us reflecting on ourselves. Are you filled, consumed by the Holy Spirit? Because if you're a Christian and you are not, it's an uncomfortable place to be because you know better. You feel you've remembered better. The embers are glowing. You know there's a better place to be. Well, let me encourage you. There is a clear path back to the Father. There's a clear path towards being filled with the Spirit. There is a clear path that can bring you the answer that you truly need. And so the big question then is, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? And this is what I want to leave you with, because this is between you and God. And it is so simple. The Scripture makes it so, so simple. The first thing is you need to recognize your need. And maybe you already are there after listening to me. Secondly, you need to confess any unresolved sin that is in your life, unforgiven sin that is in your life. That you come to Him, you quiet yourself before Him, and you ask, Lord, what is it that I need to ask forgiveness for? And then you do this beautiful and wonderful uh, Scripture's command, which is then we ask the Father. And Him being a good Father will give us every good gift. More and more, the Scripture says. That is, your, that is the promise from the Father to you that He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Can I say that Christians who habitually spend time with the Lord, reading the Word, not just that one sentence at the end of devotional, read the devotional, read the Word, spend time praying, go for walks, journaling, seeking Him out. Can I tell you, it's those Christians that are filled continually with His Spirit. If you are not making those practices a habit in your life, then you are, as a Christian, quite literally missing out. And so is your neighborhood, and so is your family, and so is your friends missing out on having someone in their life who is spirit-filled. And so I want to encourage you this morning, as, as we come to the end of this message, I'm going to pray for you, a little bit like Ananias. I'm going to pray that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we can confess our sin this morning, and He is faithful and just to forgive us. And then we know we know the presence of Him in our lives. That is a wonderful promise on Pentecost Sunday. It's a wonderful promise for everyone who is a Jesus follower, that you can be filled and empowered and emboldened by the Spirit of God. And I don't know about you, but I need that this morning. Our world needs that this morning. So I'm going to pray for you. I just want to encourage you to close your eyes wherever you might be. And uh, I just want you to quiet a moment. If you are driving or if you are doing something more active, then maybe just stop. Quiet yourself before the Lord. Let's ask God to fill us. Dear God, we're just so grateful for the promise of the Holy Spirit. On this Pentecost Sunday, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that as we come to the end of this message, that, Father, there will be a desire that has been ignited in the ears of the listeners. As, a, as the same passion that I have that has been ignited in me, that, Lord, that I might know you and the power of your resurrection, that I might be filled by you, 
So, Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that you would fill us. Fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Fill us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let our testimony be the same as David's. When Samuel prayed for him and you rushed upon David and anointed him from head to foot, that, Lord, let that be our uh, testimony and our story, Lord, that we be consumed and filled with your spirit and your presence and your power and your encouragement. Lord, we ask these things knowing, God, that this is your promise to us. Forgive us, Lord, if we have resisted and quenched and walked away from suspiciously doubted this beautiful promise. Oh, Father. Lord, I pray for those who are listening who don't know you. Jesus, thank you for your wonderful sacrifice on the cross. You taking my sin and shame and it dying with you. Bring newness of life, regenerated life. Oh, God, let it be the testimony, the story Lord, of those listeners who don't know you, that today they came into a knowledge of you, just like Paul said. They would be filled and consumed by you. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. My heart and my prayer is that this week that you will put time aside to seek him, to be filled by him, to be emboldened by him, to be encouraged by him. He's a wonderful God and he's a God of more. And I pray that this week you will have a week of more in every possible way. God bless.